At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Kenzie Wilbur, and this is Food 52's Burnt Toast. For most of us, there's that one emoji that feels like it should be there. When it comes to food emoji, people are surprisingly fired up about what's missing. Why is there no bagel emoji? There's bacon, there's shrimp, there's what looks like a, like a nice hunk of pork, but no bagel. What we need we need our, you know, like our tribal food is a bagel, maybe with smoked salmon. By need, we really mean demand. I feel like my late night communication would be so much better if there was just a breakfast sandwich. Okay, how come there is no dumpling emoji? Think about it. There should at least be samosas or something like that. I would love a chorizo emoji. That would be amazing. I'd probably have to call it the sausage emoji. Are you at all a little bit scared of what your sausage emoji might be appropriated <laughs> into? <laughs> now you mention it, uh, yes, that, that is quite possible. <laughs> that last voice is Jeremy Burge the founder of Emojipedia, which is sort of like an encyclopedia for emoji. He also sits on the board of people who decide which new emoji get made. I think if I were to um, submit a proposal, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm fact-checking myself right now to make sure it doesn't exist, but I don't think that there's a pie. There is no pie. Yeah, and I really do feel strongly that there should be a pie. Turns out, I can make that happen. So if you wanted to propose an emoji today, it, the onus would be on you to try and prove that this fulfills the factors, the selection factors. So anybody can do it. It's like um, it's like you can. It's like almost like you're defending your own case. It's like the people's the people's lawyer or something like this. I only kind of know what I meant by the people's lawyer, but I wasn't that far off. Anyone can submit a proposal and then make the case that a specific emoji exists, so long as she does it well. That is, you can argue for your bagel. And we can argue for our pie. So that's what we did. Looking over guidelines and example proposals online, it seemed actually pretty simple. Peek at Google Trends, track a few cases of search volume, maybe some hashtag usage, and we're in business. On today's show, how an emoji gets made. And at the end, find out if anyone actually listens when we submit a proposal for our pie emoji. The original set of emoji contained 176 symbols. For comparison, today we have over 1,800. They were designed in the late 90s by Shigetaka Kurita, who was working on the launch of iMode, which was the world's first major mobile internet system. 
So that first set was a lot more sparse than what we're used to now. It was full of images meant to symbolize businesses. So there was a martini to signify a bar, a hamburger for fast food, and then your normal garden varieties worth of zodiac symbols and hearts and peace signs. It would be years before we could text with the eggplant. You know what? People get very confused about the, some of the, the original emoji set are from Japan, and they, they just exist because they do. Just, it, was, it wasn't meant to be a big project, and then all of a sudden it, it gained some momentum. It got out in the West, and we standardized it, and now there's a lot more scrutiny given to the, the new one. So I see a lot of confusion from people about why there's 12 trains and why, you know, there's sort of... <laughs> A lot of the ones for me that have been the Japanese ones have been the most fascinating. Learning about, I've had to delve into Tokyo and into Japanese history to come across why some of these even exist. There's the Easter Island statue, which is actually exists in uh, Tokyo at a train station. So <laughs> the strange ones like that, where you think it's very odd having uh, uh, something from Easter Island there, but really it's just a local reference in Tokyo. Sure. Well, I I am one of the people who's confused though. Why are there nine trains? Yeah, you know what that that is still confusing to me. That I don't know why even the guy who originally put these together thought the twelve trains were a useful <laughs> <laughs> metric to have. I know trains are popular in Japan, but you do have to ask. And some of them, did they really need uh, the the two different types of fast train with the the bullet nose and without it? But apparently, he decided there was a need. And I mean, he could. He could. At the time, there was no standards. He could do what he liked. It was just, it was his little toy to put together a couple of hundred little pictures. Yeah. And, and maybe he was just a train enthusiast. Emoji first started showing up on phones outside of Japan around 2000, but it wasn't until 2010 that they were incorporated into the Unicode standard, which is what defines the representation of text and software. So anywhere you see text on a screen, on your computer or your phone, that computer is interpreting a number. And before Unicode, your computer was drawing from multiple encoding systems to do this, to make sure you saw something like, hey, how are you, question mark, displayed correctly. But encoding systems were inefficient, and they could come in conflict with each other easily, especially across different countries. Thus the need for one standard. That's Unicode. The people working on and for the Unicode standard are called the Unicode Consortium. Jeremy's a member. And these are the same people who hold the divine right to emoji. They decide which new ones get made, which means they get to strike down my proposal for Pi or send it through. Burton Toast producer Gabrielle Lewis and I bugged the press contacts at Unicode for weeks to get inside one of these meetings for you. They never got back to us, which is okay. From meeting minutes posted online and speaking with Jeremy, we put the pieces together as scientifically as we could. Okay, so I guess I thought it looked sort of like, for some reason, they're all wearing colored robes in my head. So they're in this room. They're wearing their neon robes. They're like whiteboarding, like new folds for the burrito emoji, (laughs) like debating shades of green for new pineapple tops. What do you imagine? Shiny black surfaces, dim lighting. Everyone's communicating entirely in emoji, projecting on screens. No one has paper and definitely retina scans to get into the room. Okay, I dig that. I'm going to lose the colored robes from my (laughs) vision. It was not a good look, but I would like credit for the burrito fold. What we did find out was what we'd need to put in our proposal to make this pie emoji a living, breathing thing. 
over the last few years, a lot of guidelines have been put together about what would make a good emoji and what wouldn't. It's quite a, a lot of detail goes into it. And they've uh, put together some selection factors which decide if you want to have an emoji, if you want to propose an emoji, it's likely to get through if it fits in with some of these factors. The proposals online read kind of like short textbooks, pages and pages of charts and graphs and estimates of frequency of usage and proposed drawings. Like, in the history of going to school for many years, I don't think I ever turned in something with this level of detail. All of this for an emoji. To be, to be used frequently, you might want to show that it's a, a popular topic that's searched for a lot. The, the dumpling emoji proposal came through and it lists details of how popular, how much it's used on, as I say, on Instagram or its relative search frequency compared to a hamburger. So that would be up to you. You'd need to, to prove it. Say pie does go through. What does it end up looking like? Is it a whole pie or a fruit pie, a meat pie? It seems a little ridiculous to think about, but if we don't, it could have implications. Take the paella emoji. Right. Uh, so it's, called, it's technically called the shallow pan of food emoji. But nonetheless, yes, there was a, there's a reference image that goes with it, which... The vendors don't have to necessarily follow, but it's, it's given out there to say this is probably what the emoji should look like. And it had, I think, some chicken in it, and had some prawns in there, uh, some peas and some mushrooms, and all of a sudden <laughs> there's this eruption out of Spain that, uh, that that is not how you make a traditional paella, that they were very displeased at this reference diagram. There was a big campaign on, and it's a big deal over there. They give out wooden spoon awards to paella restaurants. I had, I had no idea what a big scene it was. And nonetheless, anyway, they, they complained heavily that the reference diagram should probably have the traditional ingredients as opposed to what's more popular outside of Spain. And, well, we changed our reference diagram at the very least, and we'll see what everybody else does when they release their images this year. Ultimately, it's up to the vendor the Google or the Apple, and then the designer it employs to decide how to draw each one. Let's look at the classic grimace, the emoji you'd use immediately after you, say, sent a text meant for your boyfriend to your mom instead. On Apple's keyboard, it looks like a slightly normal, awkward expression, teeth kind of clenched and the eyes are wide. Google's version looks a little angrier, and Samsung's grimace is completely off the rails. It's like a big yellow head with huge buggy eyes, a screaming mouth, and eyebrows so angry they look to be jumping off its face. So if Unicode pushes our pie proposal through, the image of the pie itself could end up looking different across different keyboards. And probably not even like food on Samsung. Well, so let's get into the design a little bit. Um, how did it get to the place where the paella had mushrooms and peas in it? What is what does the process of designing an emoji look like? Well, so here's the thing. So at Unicode, they'll often show multiple references to an image, and at Emojipedia, we we do we get the list of upcoming emojis, and we commission a designer to design them all. Okay. And the paella. Honestly, at the time, our particular reference diagram, which is the one that Unicode put on their site, um, was the experience of me living in London and our designer who lives in the US. And we didn't give it much more thought than that, to be honest. We've seen some, some earlier proposals and, you know, the pan looks the same and we just thought, no, oh, that seems about what would go in there. So you're saying that the paella crisis of 2016 was your fault? 
<laughs> yeah, yes, in a way, yes, it was. And, and that was my inbox was not the same for, for quite a while. We all make mistakes. I still have a filter on there that actually redirects payer emails. Into <laughs> it's very smart. And there's appropriation of the images to consider. Recall the eggplant or the peach, which was redesigned in late 2016 to mild internet revolt due to the fact that the new picture looked less like a butt. They also have to think about the cultural representation of new emoji. So does this have any kind of ripple effect? Like, are, are, is the subcommittee approving emojis going to be a little more tentative now receiving um, depictions of, of ethnic foods? I think it, it, for me anyway, it was something I hadn't thought about that I, that to the people who invented it, that it's more important that that's what it looks like, that mm-hmm. they gave the example of the sushi emoji that looks more like a traditional, the sushi you'd get in Japan with the rice and the, the raw fish on the top as opposed to sort of a California roll. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think that you're, you're right. I think the subcommittee now is much more aware of making sure there's facts and evidence to, to support uh, what is going to get approved. Sure. I mean, in a way, that's really interesting because, of course, you would you want an accurate depiction of a thing, just objectively, just, you know, because. But also, I mean, think about if, if the wrong sushi or the wrong uh, paella, you know, these ethnically incorrect images were being put everywhere. And then, you know, in 20 years, will people think that paella is something di- different than it is or sushi is something different than it is? Right. It's It's... That's for a lot of people the the image of that particular food or item that you'd come into contact with the most is on your emoji keyboard. So yeah. what that looks like, you're right, could have an effect down the track. What is it that you like about being in the emoji business? I really like the if I speak to someone that doesn't know what I do, they'll often wonder how much could you go into detail about an emoji you know how much could there possibly be and I like the fact that there's a like this paella emoji comes out of nowhere and uh sometimes there's interesting issues of different countries where the it'll have flags unofficial new flags come up and they might be implemented in one platform and I kind of go off into these new places that I wouldn't really ever think about the next thing I know I'm researching the reunion island because they've got an interesting flag debate that's come up via the emoji. Uh, so I like the fact that even though it seems like it's about the emoji, it's really about real life. It's about food. It's about objects. It's about people. And I like the fact that it takes me in all those areas more than just the technology. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's a, it's a key on your iPhone's keyboard, but it's also sort of like a window into the world. Right. It's, a, uh, it's the best thing we have is a snapshot of this is what we use to represent the world and it's really interesting to me just seeing everything that comes through and what gets approved to put on there as the fact it's so limited makes it so valuable. So did our proposal for that pie emoji go through? The same day we recorded this, Emojipedia published a blog post with a short list of 51 new emoji being proposed for 2017. Pie was one of those 51, which means it could be one of the roughly 10 new food emoji we get each year. We'll know for sure in June, just in time for summer pie season. This episode of Burnt Toast was produced by Kristen Meinzer, Gabrielle Lewis, and me, Kenzie Wilbur. 
Thanks also to Amanda Hesser and Meryl Stubbs, the founders of Food52, and to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Our ad and theme music is by the talented Joshua Rule Dobson. All other music in the show is from Signal Sounds. Find them on signalsoundsnyc.com. And our new logo is designed by Abby Lossing. Thanks to everyone at the top of the show for their emoji wish list. The lovely voices clamoring for the bagel are the hosts of the podcast Unorthodox. You can find it on iTunes. Please let us know what you think of the show by leaving us a review on iTunes. It really helps. And if you'd like, get in touch. You can email us at burnttoast at food52.com. We'll talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for listening. We love podcasts. And if you're listening right now, you probably do too. But there are still so many people who still aren't listening to the amazing stories and shows that are out there. So tell your people. Call your mom, your friend, text your aunt, send some snail mail to your grandma. Give them a podcast you'll know they'll love. And then tell us what you recommended with a hashtag tripod. Producer Gabrielle Lewis, what podcast would you recommend? Another one that I really like that our listeners might like is the Kitchen Sisters. They make incredible stories, and they have a series called Hidden Kitchens. Yeah, that's a good one. I got one more. It's called the Racist Sandwich Podcast. Um, It's super small, like very low production, but the conversations are always surprisingly engaging, and they broach a lot of subjects that I think a lot of people are afraid to touch, and I respect them for that. I've never heard of that. I'm going to have to check it out. Tell us what you recommend with a hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y-P-O-D. Thanks for helping us spread the word. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on BagBomb.com. Good through 2024.